Today, I want to speak to you about, about trials. Uh, there is no doubt that the past two years have been tough years. I mean, there's not any of us that have lived a normal life for the last two years. And so there are varying, there are varying degrees of trials. Some minor, but some are very serious and difficult. Some had faced difficult health, health issues. Others have lost loved ones. Many have faced financial issues. Or, you know, perhaps there's other things that, other issues that you've experienced that's maybe even strained relationships. Some trials we face might have been avoidable, or there are others that are totally out of our control. We cannot always dictate what will happen, and so we, we cannot do that. We, we can't dictate that, but we can control how we respond. We can control that part. So how we react to trials we face will have a major bearing on us, those around us, and I believe that there are two men in God's Word that demonstrate to us how we should react in tough times and how God blesses those who trust Him. So that's what the message is really about tonight. How that when things don't go the way you expect, how you can have, if you have the right attitude and you let God use you, you can really come through these in a victorious way. So I want to go to Acts chapter 16. I want to point out some things first in this chapter that's very, very interesting. Because there's, you know, the book was written by Luke, okay, and he's talking about Paul. This is talking about his missionary journey. And it says, then he came to Derby in verse 1. Okay, that's right, in verse 1, right? Okay, and then he hears, we hear about a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. And then we, we read this in verse 4 says, and as they went through the city. So you see, there's been a change already. Paul started this trip, it was he, but then it's they. Okay, look down at, look at verse 6. It says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Okay, says they. Verse 7 says, after they came to Mysia. Verse 8 says, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. And then look, skip down to verse, verse 10. It says, and after we had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. So the we means there's another change. It starts out with Paul. He's by himself. It gets a, he gets a traveling companion, Timothy. And then he picks up Luke, the writer of the book. And so it becomes we. And those things are just little words. But if you look for those kind of things in the Word of God, it becomes a little more interesting to see the, how things progress and what's taking place. What's important to me is in this, when I start my U.S. history class every semester in the fall semester, I'll do that again this year. I didn't do this when I first started. Um, when, when Joe, when Joe, um, Joe Gleason called me to teach U.S. history, he asked me to teach it for one semester, one year. So I expect to do one year, okay? He never asked me to come back, but my name kept showing up on the roster to teach, so I kept coming back. So for 17 years, I taught one class at BBC. Time wasn't a problem. They had 7.30 classes then. I, went to, I taught a 7.30 class because nobody else wanted to. And then I went to my Christian school. I was the principal there, and so I did that for 17 years. So when I left the Christian school... I decided that I didn't know what else I was going to do. I didn't feel like I could leave town. My dad was dying. He died that summer with Alzheimer's, but uh, I had resigned. I didn't know what job I was going to have. So I resigned as a history teacher at BBC. And this was in 2004, just before I came to church at Hillside. And so uh, I resigned that position, and I got a call from a man that had been my boss before, a man that was a good friend and has meant a lot of my life. Dr. Bill Dow Jr. 
Dr. Billy uh, Jr. had been our pastor at Baptist Temple. He'd worked there with his dad, and then he became our pastor. And I worked, under, I worked with him and under him. He called and he said, Terry, is there any way I can convince you to come to BBC full-time? I'd fill down an application to be a city of Springfield bus driver. And so I thought about that. Bus driver, teach at BBC. That took a lot of prayer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> about 10 seconds of it, you know. So that was an easy one. So this semester, this year, the coming up with my 32nd year to teach U.S. history at Baptist Bible College. You know, and so God has really blessed that. Every year since I did this, about four years in, I go to this chapter to talk about this event in my U.S. history class. And it takes place because of what happens in, in verse 10 that we skipped over. But let's go back to verse 6 and we'll get through this. And this is not really the message, but this is important to U.S. history. And I teach U.S. history, so you might as well get a little bit of it right now. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and regions of Galatia and forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go pre to the, preach the word in Asia. So that's the point here. Okay, the Holy Spirit is okay, don't go into Asia, okay. And they were come to Mysia and they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. And verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering the, that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to, unto them. That is when the gospel was taken to Europe. And that is extremely important U.S. history. It may be the most important thing that's ever happened in U.S. history. That the gospel was preached in Europe. And so I emphasize this. And so that's why I love this chapter so much. But the things that take place in this chapter are really, really amazing. And you know the story that's here. So the first part of this I'm going to call is Paul's predicament. Okay, this is in, we're going to go down to, um, oh, we'll go down to verse, verse 16 and start here. It says, and it came to pass, by the way, you might think that's a strange place to Strange place to start. And I don't know why they do this, because if you teach English, you're taught, don't begin a sentence with and. But I'm not going to argue with the God's word, okay? So we just don't worry about that. I will tell you this, though, and people know that I've kind of talked about this a lot. Um, oh, by the way, this wasn't what I was going to preach at first. My first thought was, I was preached, you know, I was going last week to preach what I preached down in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Doesn't that make sense? Preach the last message you preached again. But I was in John chapter 9. Guess what the pastor's preaching through? Yeah. I, I can't do John chapter 9 because that's what he's preaching through. So I had to change gear, you know, and so I felt like I did anyway. But chapter, verse 16 is a place where a paragraph starts. And as I tell the classes that I teach a lot, I appreciate, I love chapter and verse. But I understand the word, the Bible really wasn't written in chapter and verse to begin with. It was written in paragraphs, sentences and paragraphs. And so we, we get a better context of everything if we read in paragraphs. Now, why do I still appreciate chapter and verse? Aren't you glad we can memorize verses? You know, what, I forget the longest, the longest sentence in the Bible is in Ephesians. It's Paul, I think it's, it's like 12 or 13 verses long. Where's your English teacher there when you're trying to diagram those things, you know? And so, so the chap, it, it starts with and, but this is the start of a paragraph. So it's a good place to start. It says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. 
Okay? And so this is, this is what's talking about this. This is, this is what I would call Paul's distraction. Okay? So this, this young damsel meets her. Okay? She's possessed with the spirit of divination, which means she's demon-possessed, which brought her to a master's much gain by soothsaying. The same came, the same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of the salvation. Now you know immediately that when somebody that is demon-possessed is proclaiming that these men are of God, you want them to shut up. You know, you just don't need that. You don't need that kind of proclamation, you know, and so it's just an irritation. And so they, but this is what she's doing. She's, she's claiming that they're that they're men of God. And verse 18 says, And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, that wouldn't be the word I'd use from me, but that's the word he used here for him. He was grieved. He says, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Amazing story. It is, isn't it? So Paul got tired of that. So what Paul does, he just has exercises demon. Okay, that pretty well takes care of that problem. You know? Except it causes other problems. You know, when you think, when you think that somebody that's demon-possessed gets saved, it will bring rejoicing and happiness everywhere. But not in this situation. You know, Satan's never happy when God does great things. And so those that love the world or love Satan, they can't rejoice like a Christian can. They look at things differently. And not only that, when you, when you put in the fact that they lose money, that really adds to salt in the wound. So verse 19 says, And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, remember, because they gained a lot of money because she is able to be a soothsayer. So, so she, the demons cast out, that income is gone. So they're ticked off, okay? So they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Now this is the part that caused me to talk about this title, this message really, Rejoicing when things don't go as expected. That wasn't what Paul and Silas expected to have happen. That wasn't the goal. Let's go get thrown in prison. Now, Paul has experienced that. You know, this isn't the first time, but that's still not what his desire was. That wasn't his goal. And so, but, you know, that's what happens. So they, they bring him to the masters. Verse 19, and I'll read it again. And when the masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Now, who are they really troubling? Isn't it interesting a point of view that if somebody has been troubling me, it involves everybody? But that's what they say. They trouble. They didn't say we lost money. They didn't say this woman can't be a soothsayer. They say these guys, these guys who are Jews. That's not socially correct, is it? It's not politically correct to say that. But they classify them all together. These Jews are troublemakers, and so they bring us all kinds of problems into this city. And then it says also in verse twenty-one, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. So they're teaching false doctrine as well as what the, the, the truth doctrine is false doctrine to other religions, you know. So, and so verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Okay, so this is not a very good day. You know, and so 
Uh, when days don't go the way you expect them to, you may have all kinds of plans, and you have plans of what you want to accomplish, what you want to get finished, you know, or where you want to go, and that gets disrupted. And it kind of it kind of puts us in an an attitude that's not positive a lot of times, you know. Now there have been times when I had to do things that I that something happened I didn't get to do that I was kind of glad about, you know. But usually it messes up your day, and so. But I'm telling you, my day of being messed up is not anything like Paul and Silas's day of being messed up. You know, and we grumble at the littlest things, little bitty things that get in our way or that cause us to have a different change in schedule or don't go just like the way, the way we think they should. Little bitty things can really bother us. Am I truth? Are you, are you with me? Isn't that true? Don't we find little bitty things to complain about, to gripe about? Um, you know, I... I will, I will drive funky routes to miss a stoplight. <laughs> you know, anybody else do that? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll cut down side roads. I'll do all kinds of stuff to avoid a stoplight if I can. You know, I just don't like stoplights. It's just a nuisance to what I want to do, you know. And so I'm thankful they're there because of traffic problems, you know, but I don't like stoplights. And so, um, and I'm not real fond of some of the speed limits. You know, if you've been in Hillside very long, you've heard me gripe about 266. You know, used to be a two-lane road, went straight, speed limit 70. What is it now? No, it's a four-lane road, but it's got a curve, so we have to go down to 45. And it used to be that the Blankenship son's son was a hindrance on that road. <laughs> I've seen him several times. He's been transferred to a different area now. So now if it's the highway patrol, it's not him. But there were times that I'm thinking, I've got to be careful because I know their son could be there waiting on me. You know, <laughs> you know a good guy, a guy I've known since he's a little boy. But still, when he's got that uniform on, he's not my friend if I'm speeding, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, so I, you know and when, when, this, when this was happening, with this road, this, this is the funniest thing about the road, I think, that we had. I used to make fun of a business there because all the businesses on 266 were concerned about this road change because it took them further away from their businesses. There was one business that couldn't complain. And you probably won't remember this because you just heard me crap about it, but I said it, so I remembered. There was a palm reader, had a sign out in his yard on 266, that he could tell the future. He could tell fortunes. He could tell the future. If he could tell the future, he would have known that was going to be a problem, so he couldn't gripe. If he griped, he would have, they would have said, well, wait a minute, you should have known this was going to happen, right? He was in a no-win situation. So I like to make fun of his business. But for the rest of us, we had this nice two-lane road, but it was straight. Now we have a four-lane road, and it's crooked, and so we have to go 15, 20 miles, 20 miles slower. Makes a lot of sense to me, you know, so... Um, anyway, so those are things we don't like, but those are little things. Paul's thing was big. His, his change and his bad day was a really bad day because, you know, they were cast into prison. They're in the inner prison. There's no hope of getting out. Their feet are fast in stocks. I mean, it's a horrible day for them. And, you know, unlike me, they didn't complain or gripe. They didn't even talk about, about, bad about the guy that was in uniform like I just did, you know. But what happens? It says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. 
if, the, if there's not something in this, in this word of God that doesn't make us want to sing out and praise loudly, this ought to do it. Make sure other people can hear you. You know, and I, I do love to sing. I love, you know, I'm not very good, but I love to sing. And, and uh, matter of fact, I'm terrible. It's, you never, one of the things that people know, I will never do a solo. So you can forget it. Only if you trick me into it, everybody's supposed to be singing, they quit. You know, but I don't sing solos. But I love to sing. But I don't necessarily want people to hear me all the time. But it's important that people do. That they hear us praise God. Here their life is terrible, but they're praising God. So what, is, what, what are they doing? They're rejoicing when things didn't go as expected. And we can do the same thing in our life. We can rejoice when things don't go as expected. So, you know, so this is a neat, it's just a neat story. So we're not going to spend a lot of time with it. We're not going to spend a lot of deep things about it. We're just going to go through the story because it's a good story. And so, it, you know, it says, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly... Something changes again. There was a great earthquake. And you know what? What's interesting about this is that an earthquake is not a good thing most of the time for most of the people. But it was an amazing thing for Paul and Silas. You know, it was a great thing for them. It was a wonderful thing for them. But it wasn't for, for most of the people. Okay, so... So it said, suddenly there was, this is verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bounds were loosed. Okay, so that sounds like a great thing for everybody, right? If you're in prison, what's your goal? To get out, right? That's the goal. That may be the only goal you have in life, but that's the goal. If you're in prison, get out. You know, and so, but, so this, now all of a sudden the doors are open, the, bound, the, the, the bands just fall off, they're loose. And the keeper of the prison, now this isn't a good thing for him. This is, not, this is not a good thing for him. It says, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors opened, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Because he assumed, right? He assumed that these guys are going to be gone. Because what do they want to do? They want to escape. And so the doors are open, they're they're. Shackles are gone. They should escape. And so he just assumed that was going to happen. And he knew that meant death for himself. Better to kill himself than have the Roman soldiers kill him. So he, he wanted to, he would start to commit suicide. Okay, and it says here why. It says because he supposed that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now, Paul's got a lot of confidence in something. And I'm promising it's not those prisoners. It's in God. Because he said with confidence, they're all here. I don't know why they were all there, except it had to be the Lord, unless they're just so shocked they don't know what to do. You know, they probably were kind of afraid to move. But whatever, they all stayed. So Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And so this, this guard, look how things are going for him. He's guarding the prison. He's asleep. People are supposed to be sleeping. They got these two nuts in there that are singing in the middle of the night and praising God. And why should they be doing that? Something's wrong with them. And so then this earthquake happens and the same, those same two guys that are singing praises are telling him, don't kill yourself because we're all here. And so can you see the dynamics and the emotions of this? What that would be like? One minute you're ready to kill yourself, the, minute, the next minute you're rejoicing and then things go good, things go bad. I mean, things, the th things that night didn't go like anybody thought they would go. No one thought these things would happen that night when they went to bed, when they fell asleep. 
No one felt, no one knew it was going to be like this. Totally different than what they expected. And so, and the, so it goes down, let's go down to um, verse 29. It says, and he, then he called for a light and sprang in and came tremblings and fell down before Paul and Silas. So, um, Brian, I don't know if you can keep up with me or not, because I haven't looked at my notes yet. So I don't know if you're with me or not on this. But um, so, you know, it's, it's just, I left out part of the first part about the accusation of Paul and Silas, but this is more important than that. It said, so they brought him out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, because he says, oh, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he knew something was different. He must have heard a message or something from somebody, although he might have only heard the message in that night. Because guess what? When they were praying and they were singing and the prisoners could hear, who else could hear? Probably the guard. Because he knew what to say. He may not have understood it, but he knew what to say. He said, what must I do you know what he's really saying here? What must I do to have what you guys have? He may not even have known that, but that's what he wanted. He wanted this same God that's taking care of these men to take care of him. And so what do I do to make that happen is his question. I tell you what, I've only experienced something like this a couple times. You know, and so um, Brother Talbert and I used to make a trip pretty frequently together as we go to Jeff City and visit the state penitentiary. And I'm telling you, that is a different kind of experience, but I'm also telling you, it is probably the best situation for witnessing that I've ever been in. And the reason is, now Ty can tell me something different maybe, but I think the reason is they will listen to you because they have time. They don't have, they're not gonna go away. I am telling you, you can spend more time in a prison cell than you can on somebody's front door because they're lonely, they'll talk. And when you get to talk, you can present the Lord and the Holy Spirit has time to convict. And so we had been, you almost always had pretty good results, but you know, you don't win somebody's Lord every time you go to a prison, something like that. But we would go and it had been a long time since I'd been, I had several trips that I'd gone up there and I hadn't seen anybody saved. And I'd seen some pretty neat things happen, but I hadn't seen anybody for a while. And I'm beginning to question myself. So on the way up there, I'm just talking to the Lord and you know, nobody can hear me. It's just me and the Lord, you know, talking and Lord, please, let me, let me win somebody to you today. Let me experience that today because it's been a while and I think I might be losing it or something. Maybe I forgot how to witness or maybe I'm just, God can't use me. So Lord, please let me, let me do this. So I mean, we went, I counted one time, Brother Talbert, I don't know if you ever did it or not, but when we got into this special treatment unit that we went into a lot of times, there were seven sets of bars that closed behind us. And that's a, you might be used to that, but we weren't, you know, that just a little disconcerting to us, you know. And so we get into the last part and there's, we're on a, we're on a, we're in a cell, a cell block. And this is the old state penitentiary that Missouri had. And there's a prisoner that's in a chain link fence cage. And he's like a floor secretary or something. He's got a typewriter in there and and he's typing and things, and so he's taking care of record or something. And he, but he's encaged, he's caged in. It goes from the, it goes from the floor to the ceiling, which wasn't very tall, but he's in a cage. And we walk in. He hollers at me. He said, "Hey, hey, you!" I go, "Yes." He said, "Are you a preacher?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I am." He said, 
can you show me how to get saved? And I said, thank you, Lord. You know, it's just what I needed. That's what this guy said to Paul and Silas. You know, that's what this guy said. Can you show me how to be saved? I'm telling you, when somebody, somebody, you just step in and somebody asks you that question, it's pretty exciting. It's real exciting, you know? And so it just was, a, it's an experience I'll never forget and a feeling I'll never forget. Like, thank you, Lord. Not only did he save that man's soul, but he answered my prayer that I could be involved in such a remarkable event. You know, and so it was a very special time for me and it was more special for that man, though. So here he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they preached to him real quickly, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Pretty simple message, isn't it? It's still not hard today. The message is the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it takes. There's no other plan. There's not any side paths to take. There's no other way. That's the only way. And so that's what happens with this man here. He, he asked for that. He asked that he could be saved. And he, they tell him, and then it says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Okay, so, so what takes place here is that this part of my message, I haven't given you any points. I don't know why you bothered with them. I don't even know why I bothered with the PowerPoint because I didn't really follow it very well. It's a basic concept I did. But anyway, when we talk about this here, what's, what's taking place is Paul and Silas and other people besides them benefited from their reaction to the predicament they were in. You know, many times we think about this, we, for, we, we only think about ourselves. Situation's tough, and if we can praise God in a tough situation, are we not blessed? We are, aren't we? When things are tough and we go to the Lord, you know, I mean, I could tell you, I can tell you some times that we're, we're really really discouraging at times, you know, and how God will do something to lift you up. Um, I've, I've seen some miraculous things, you know. So <clears throat> one time, at, when I was on staff at Baptist Temple in charge of the Christian school, um, <clears throat> so, sometimes in the school year we would get behind in some bills or something and we'd have to make them up in the summertime. And so this was a typical year. And so at the end of the, at the, end of the year, our bills were paid, but we still had summer payroll. We don't have any income in the summer. So what we would do is we would go to the bank sometimes, and the church, because we were church school, the church would borrow money for the school to pay us, make us payroll in the summertime. So we had done that. We just went to the bank, and um, our pastor's Bill Dow Jr. We walked back into the church after we'd been to the bank, and the church's financial secretary met, met us at the door and said, Boy, I hate to tell you this but I made a mistake in the books and we're short $5,000. Brother Dow said, guys, we can't go back to the bank. We just came from there. If we would have known, we could have borrowed, but we can't go back today. So I said, all I know to do is to pray. I looked at my watch. It was 3 o'clock. So we went into Brother Dow's office and there were five of us and we spent some time in prayer. And we didn't really know how but by the time we finished our time in prayer together, we knew that it was going to be okay. God was going to take care of things. I was in the office the next day at the church, and this old man came in. This guy was about, his, about 90 years old then. His name was Brother Harvey. Brother Harvey walked into her office and said, and not, you can argue with this all you want to. I don't know what happened. All I know is he's told us, he said, yesterday God spoke to me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that I need to write this check for the church. 
So I brought it in today. And he handed a check to me for $5,000. You tell me that prayer doesn't change things. And so we've talked about a lot of different things tonight that have, they didn't always go the way you expected them to. And sometimes they're very discouraged. I'm telling you, when that lady told us that we'd just been, we'd just been the bank and we needed another $5,000, that was discouraging. I mean, it was real discouraging. But the Lord really answered her prayer. And I've seen that time and time again in my life, in our life. Brother Talbert has. Anybody that served the Lord very long has seen it. God does remarkable things. And so what we need to learn to do is we need to learn to rejoice when things don't go how we think they should because God always blesses. He blesses us. He blesses those around us. And so what happened with this group here? Let's read on a little bit, okay? So... Um, he says, this man says in verse 30, what should, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. So that's a pretty remarkable time. These guys are out of prison. They're having their wounds tended to by the man that was their guard. The guard has been saved. He's been baptized. His family members have been saved and baptized. That's a remarkable night. And why did it happen? Well, God, it happened because God is good. But a big part of that was Paul and Silas rejoicing when things didn't go the way they expected them to go. That's the lesson we need to learn. We need to learn to rejoice in the Lord all the time, not just when the times are good. Because I'm telling you, when times are good and remarkable things happen, we talk about it and we praise the Lord. But when things go south and we pray about it and God answers prayers, that's what makes up our stories. That's what's encouraging other people. That's what's encouraging us all through our lifetime. And so sometimes we get discouraged, we get down, and we want to kind of, we want to kind of be bad-mouthed and the Lord, you know, kind of complain to God about how things aren't going our way. I'm telling you that God's way is better than our way. It always is. God's plan is always better than our plan. And so hopefully we have plans that are in God's will, but really God's plan is better than ours. So Paul led the jailer to the Lord, the family to the Lord. They're all baptized. The jailer took care of their needs and they rejoiced together for their deliverance. Look at verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. So I'm just going to read the last verses here because it's really the rest of the story. Paul Harvey's the rest of the story. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. I love this part of the story. This is just, the, this is just amazing and it's fun and it's funny. It says, and the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart, go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily. He says, I'm not going. <laughs> the guy says, you're supposed to leave jail. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. They sent somebody else to do it. And it says, but let them come, let them come themselves and fetch us out. Don't you love the turn events of this? Paul says, I'm not leaving till you have those guys that put us in here let us out. Boy, is that humiliating for them? You know, this, what, do we, what does God teach us? God will exalt and God will bring down. This is a good example. Who's the heroes in this story? Who are the losers in this story? 
Well, the winners, Paul and Silas, that got thrown into prison, the losers are those who put, put Paul and Silas in prison. See how God turned things around? It's just, it's just a fun, amazing thing. And so he says, no, can't tell them. So verse 3 says, and the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and besought and brought them out and desired them to depart. Please leave the city, you know. And went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. When they had, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So, okay, here's, the, here's just some last thoughts on conclusion. We can learn several important lessons here. Our reactions to circumstances, do, they do have consequences. We may not think they do, but they do. And I'm, I don't care who we are. Somebody's watching us. Okay. Um, Paul and Silas did not allow their circumstances to defeat them. By the way, let me go back to this sometimes. You know, um, several of you know, most of you may know this. I have for over 20 years now belonged to an organization called the North Springfield Betterment Association. Okay. I'm kind of a misfit when I'm really a misfit. And, you know, although my misfitness has kind of gotten softer because of changes in people's lives. And by the way, that group was started 50 years ago. We had our 50, it was really 51 years ago. It started, and in the first meeting, Dr. Bill Dow was there to pray. And he was a chaplain for the very first, for this, for this organization when it first started. But I got under conviction when I was at still the Christian schools, how I worked on a church staff. I was with church people all the time. And basically, I am now at BBC, although we always have lost kids at BBC too. You know, we just, we've always had people say to BBC ever since I've known about BBC. And so, but you don't run into a lot of lost people. You know, like a, I was a better witness when I worked in a factory because there I had to make a difference. And I witnessed a lot more to lost people when I saw lost people. Does that make sense to you? You know, when you just don't see them as much, you don't witness them as much. You just you have to find a different way to do it. So I want to have some kind of impact. So I joined this group hoping to have an impact. I was there just a few weeks and somebody mentioned this to me. Man, Brother Terry, or not Brother Terry. Terry, since you started this, the language in this group has sure changed. Okay, then the time came, we used to have our board meetings in restaurants. Okay, and you have to kind of be no time to know this probably, and you may not know it even then. But we had our, I got this email that we were going to have our board meeting, and I was a member of the board. I became, I've been the secretary for this organization for 21 years now. I'm the longest serving, continuously serving person in a, in a position there. And I do it because I don't have to be the leader, and I can serve a service that they appreciate. And I serve as like the ad hunk, get this, history person. I always have me do a history of the, about once every year I do a history of the organization in a presentation. But they, so they would decide we're going to have a board meeting at the repair shop saloon. Used to be on Kearney. Not even there now. But basically that was a bar that might serve a little bit of food. Okay. It wasn't a restaurant that served liquor. It was a bar that might serve some food. So I resigned. I sent him an email and said, I have to resign. I'm, not gonna, I'm a Christian and I'm not going to disgrace the Lord by going to that establishment, so I'm not going to, I'll resign. They emailed back, please don't resign. We'll change where we go. So ever since then, we've had our board meetings in business, in offices. You know, we currently meet at the Doubletree Hotel, just in a, in a room. Not, no liquor served, no lunch served, anything, just a room. Okay, um, I had a girl tell me two years ago, a, a lady who is now a member at Crossway Baptist Church, when I met her, she was lost. I didn't lead her to the Lord, but she told me when she got saved and said, Terry, you had a lot to do with it. Amen. You know, and they're watching for us to fail all the time. 
You know, we, we have some fundraisers that we have. Like we can, do, we can serve stuff at the Cardinals ball games. I never go because they serve liquor. So I say, no, I'm not going to be there. When McAdoodles came to town, they started this deal where they have wine tasting, wine tasting parties and they give us the proceeds. I say us, give the organization proceeds. So we're in board meetings and they'll say, you know, they'll say, Diana, will you be there to serve? Will you be there to pour, pour wine? Can we be there to pour wine? Ty, will you be there to pour wine? They come to Terry, they say, Terry, you won't be there, will you? They don't even ask. They just say it, you won't be there. I said, you've got that right, I'm not going to be there. You know, and so we can make a difference in this world. You know what, and I don't know how many others, I, don't, I do know this, I know have four other board members now that talk about the Lord to me and tell me about their Christian walk with Him. When I went there, there was none that talked about that. So, you know, I am telling you that you can make a difference. And it's not about me. It's about us wanting to serve God. It's about us just trying to be a witness for God and understand that there always are people watching us. So when things don't go bad, we need to react correctly. We need to rejoice in the Lord all the time when things go well, when they don't go the way we want to. Because somebody might be watching him. There might be that Philippian jailer in our life that will see how we react. It's just, you know, some people think it's just destroying the Bible. It's a very important lesson. I love this chapter. Do you understand why? God is good, isn't he? You know, and this is a good example of just how we can really serve the Lord. We can be a witness for him. And we can see God bless in our life. And we can see God's blessings in other people's lives because of our witness. And that's as good as life gets.